if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Welcome back to Bob France Authority. Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob. Derek, I'm smiling because I almost always jump it there. I almost go just uh, start a second or two too early. So we held off. But we had a fun first hour. Boy, that flew by. It always does. It always does. And I think hour number two will be the same. Uh, I have a couple more people lined up that I love for the listeners to meet. And um, the first guest is someone who's been on this show a number of times when I host, but also with Bob. And he's the president and CEO of the American Policy Roundtable. He's also my boss, Dave Zanotti. Dave, welcome to the program. Good morning, Rob. You're doing a great job. Uh, we're having a lot of fun. I've spilled a little bit of tea, but in the I didn't hit a microphone, so if you just don't tell anybody, hit Salem. We'll be, <laughs> we'll be just fine. We'll be just fine. So... <laughs> Well, the the work, you know, I, I sit in a lot of times in the work that we do at the American Policy Roundtable, it's walking um, hand in hand or arm in arm with all the things that Bob's talking about with his listeners. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity for you and I this morning to talk about the work of the American Policy Roundtable, the work of the Public Square National Radio Program, and the exciting things we have lying ahead and let the folks know what the American Mission Center is all about. Thanks, Rob. I, if you don't mind, I'd like to follow up with some of your comments from your earlier guests about COVID and Ohio. Can yes. we take just a second to do that? Oh, of course. Because it, it's fascinating. You guys may have covered all this, so stop me if I go, because I, I didn't get the whole hour. But, you know, it's been a while since uh, I, we, I've talked, we had a chance to talk on Bob's program about, about the state of Ohio. And if you take a look uh, just at the Ohio dashboard today on COVID, we're roughly in the zone now of about a million cases. And depending on how you if you take the adult population on that, you're, you're closer to maybe 9 million, 8.89 million. As we know, the kids are, are not really at risk in regards to this, uh, to, to this uh, pandemic, to this disease. So um, we, we've got, a number there, something in the in the realm of eight to nine million adults. Well, we've got ten percent of the adult population now has had the disease. Now, remember when Amy Acton was famous for her early models that were unfounded without science meetings or briefings, and uh, that that she and Ohio State cooked up. 
and when we got our first case back in March a year ago, Amy Acton said, if there's one person that's got it, we know there's a thousand that are going to. That was her ratio. There's a thousand more people that are going to be there. That's the way this thing works. That's what she told us. And she told us that the number of cases would double every six days from now until the end. Her model. And, of course, those numbers were bizarre. But let's just say that for every person that's had COVID, people in Ohio, one person has had it that hasn't been reported. Now, you can't possibly be lower than that number. So this is such a conservative estimate. Yeah. So that would mean we'd be about 2 million people, which means we'd be at about 20%. We've already had over 2 million people vaccinated, so now we're at 4 million. Out of an 11 million total population, about 8 to 9 million, uh, million person adult population. What we're trying to get to is the question of community immunity. Because something that Joe Biden didn't talk about last night. And by the way, I think that Mike DeWine probably wrote Joe Biden's speech. He sounded just like Governor DeWine. Be afraid, be very afraid, and we'll tell you what you are and are not allowed to do. Same speech we've heard for over a year. But the truth of the virology of this, Med School 101, is viruses run in very predictable routines through the human experience and this virus when you look at the charts and you look at the graphs is operated exactly as johns hopkins university anticipated it would with 99 percent of the people recovering fully recovering so the bottom line is if we keep vaccinating people at the level we're vaccinating right now in the state of ohio within 60 days we'll have 4.2 million people vaccinated we've already looked at the fact that we've got a lot 4.2 more million people vaccinated We've already had 4 million people who are vaccinated or have had the disease now. And basically, the virus will have nowhere to go. Yeah, we are well on our way. There's no doubt about that. And if we would have stayed locked in our homes for three years, we would just be looking at this scenario three years from now. Because I think a lot of people thought that if you stay locked in your home, the virus is going to disappear. It's not going to disappear. It's still going to be there. And it's going to run its course. Like you said, John Hopkins told us that from the beginning in the study that they put out. And this is what drives me crazy about what Mike DeWine has done to Ohio. Completely disregarded the science of virology and tried to convince us we can hide from a virus that you can't hide from. Now, I understand in the very early days that perhaps it seemed like the safest course of action. But there's no reason. Very quickly, it doesn't make any sense. There was no good reason to do what he did. And he led the nation in fear, in upsetting the electoral process, in changing elections arbitrarily, in seizing authority. It's an embarrassment of historic proportions. There has never been a governor in the history of Ohio that has acted more unconstitutionally or against the health and welfare of the people of this state than Mike DeWine. And I say that with greatest heartbreak because Mike DeWine ours forever and i have always held him in the highest regard in the highest respect he is completely wrong on the science and the facts of this issue and has refused to take sound advice and it's tragic you know later in the program at the bottom of the hour we're going to have melanie elzey on the national legislative director of the american policy roundtable and we're going to dive into some of the legislation some of the things taking place in ohio at the capitol 
bills that are being passed that the governor's threatened to veto. But we're also going to talk about why that's taken 366 days to get through the process. <laughs> it's the, Mike DeWine and his friends at Ohio State University, who are so arrogant and are so condescending to everyone who can do basic math and who can count, uh, they are, and all they do is hide behind a mask and scream at you and, and, and criticize you, but they can't counter the math and they can't counter basic virology. And all they endlessly do is double down and try to shame people who have minds that can think for themselves. Now, let me be clear about this. If this Ebola, which is genuinely a lethal, deadly viral disease, then I would understand every single move that the governor's taken, including inspecting waste treatment systems uh, with taxpayer dollars to track COVID uh, uh, evidence. I, I get all of that. I would, I would be in 100% support, and I'd be in my house, and I'd be wearing double masks. Because when you have a genuine lethal virus, you must respond. But from day one, they've known this is not lethal, except in the most extraordinary cases with people that are aged or with exceptional uh, predispositions of, of pre-existing conditions. Yes, and if, if it was Ebola, people would recognize it. They would do it for themselves. This has become a pandemic that's had its own marketing department. If it was a true pandemic where it was going to kill everyone infected, would you need a marketing department? Would you need people around the country that have been hired solely to push the message out? We wouldn't be saying and now America and Ohio knows why you are on the staff of the American Policy Roundtable because you come up with really clever statements like that on a regular basis. That's very insightful, and you're exactly right. Hey, do you have a half break uh, in this in this half hour? We have time. Yep, we have we have time. We've got we've got about six or seven minutes now. We can roll. Are you good with it? Yeah, sure. Let's keep going. Then you asked me the original question about the American Policy Roundtable, the American Mission Center. I don't know that we've ever really made a formal announcement on Bob's program about the fact that the American Mission Center, which is our national headquarters, is actually being built now. It is two thirds of the way completed, and it will be in Valley City, Ohio. And I could not be happier for that. Now, for example, today. Uh, I'm getting ready to do radio in Orlando uh, with the Shepherd Radio Network at seven stations right now. In fact, and then as soon as I get off with you, um, we'll be on in Nashville, back, live back into the studio in Nashville, Tennessee. We have an office in Orlando, an office in Nashville, and our headquarters in uh, in Valley City. Now, we're in constantly doing markets, uh, radio stop every day, right down the center of the country from the Great Lakes to the Florida Keys, and then stretching out to 200 stations nationwide. But never had a single headquarters that we have owned where we could control our own security, our own Internet access, our own video production. We have all the tools. We've got all the machines and wonderful team of people to do all this stuff, but we've never had a space that was secure, safe, and in essence, our donors had built and belonged to this mission outreach. And we began that process two and a half years ago. And by the grace of God, three years ago, by the grace of God, we expect to finish it this year. It's called the American Mission Center. It is going to be a beacon of light in Northeast Ohio that goes out to the world. And I couldn't be happy because of our history of establishing this organization in Northeast Ohio. 
that it's going to be in Valley City, and I want to invite everyone to learn more about the work at the American Mission Center, because this is going to be transformational for generations, and to join us in praying that people will rally behind the support of finishing this project that's going to have an impact. And I can guarantee France is going to be broadcasting from the American Mission Center. Well, there's no doubt about that. And you talk about it being a beacon that's going to reach across the country. I mean, Dave, I've seen the piece of paper that you carry around in your folder that has the list of people that are going to be invited guests, professors that you've taken classes from that are American heroes that so many people don't know about that are going to have the opportunity to come and teach there and share and educate and do video productions. And just, I mean, I mean, it's endless what lies ahead. We have a five-acre campus that's big, one building at a time, one block at a time. Everything that we've built so far by the generosity of people, largely in northern Ohio, uh, every 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 piece that every brick that's on that property right now is paid for by the grace of God. No debt. And can you imagine the in northeast Ohio and and hundreds of families coming to listen to lectures? from some of the world's greatest minds in biblical thought and conservative philosophy, coming here so that our kids and our grandkids can have a testimony and a training and an opportunity to save the light of liberty for the next generation. And so we're thrilled to be doing it. We're thrilled it's going to be in Valley City. And I just want to encourage everyone to catch a, a bit of the vision and to pray, to pray that God will protect and, and have mercy and encourage people to participate in this wonderful mission. Well, Dave, you've been involved with the Roundtable, the work of pol- public policy for a good number of years. Um, looking back and then now looking ahead, did, did you think we would be at this place in American history? And and I know in 90 seconds this is a big question to get in there, but um, what's the pivot as we move forward? Rob, I began to feel a calling in this direction when I was 14 years old. And then once I was in college, I met Dr. Francis Schaefer, and he helped clarify uh, what we were trying to, to discern as far as a life mission goes. And I, I found the roundtable in 1985. I had already been established in Northeast Ohio by some wonderful people, um, and, and I was privileged to come. I started as a volunteer and as a donor. They asked me to come to work for them. I didn't think that the last thing in the world I'd ever do. But we've been there since 1985. The answer to your question is I always knew America was facing a crisis of civil liberty because we had lost connection with our founding. I have to tell you, in the last 18 months, I am staggered at how much liberty we have lost. And I will tell you that with our last days and our dying breaths, we have to turn this around or our children will never know what it was like to celebrate the 4th of July, not because the president said you can get together in little groups, but to get together to celebrate the Declaration of Independence with reckless abandon. If we don't change, Rob, we're going to lose this whole thing. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate the leadership you display for the American Policy Roundtable in the public square and all the work you and all, all the people we work with, we're blessed to call friends, get to do together. So thanks, DZ, and I will talk to you later today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it very much. Huge thanks 
to Dave Zanotti for joining us this morning on AM 1420. The answer, Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob France. And I'm smiling and laughing because I'm thinking about now, as I mentioned, Dave is my boss at the American Policy Roundtable. And I appreciate the leadership he's, that uh, he's done there for all of us. He's taught me so much um, regarding radio, media, research, education, all the things we do. And I'm laughing because I'm thinking of one story um, and, and hopefully he's hung up and isn't listening. So I will share this story, but, uh, it was years ago. This, you know, I've worked at the round table for 18 years, which is hard to believe, but I can remember, um, back in 2006, we were involved in a statewide ballot issue and we were going to do a television debate and Dave, I, I'm still not sure what <laughs> he, he wanted me to do the TV debate. He said, you know, the issue, you know, the subject, you're going to be just fine. And he went with me. And it was in Columbus, and I'm a guy. I was I was nervous. I was a little uptight. I wasn't sure how it was going to all play out. I'd never done a television debate before. I was going against someone that I knew and it, that was a veteran. And I was like, oh, I had my notes. I I'd, I'd prepared, but I was a little bit uh, shaky. Um, and <laughs> so we went. We went um, where we were supposed to be. We got there. Like I'm I'm an early guy. We were there 15, 20 minutes early, but we went across the street and we got coffee and we sat there and I'm drinking the coffee and I'm looking at the, the, the clock and I'm like, all right, we got to go. I said, are we ready to go? He says, give it a minute. I'm like, are, are we ready to go? He says, relax. It'll be fine. It's all good. So we left and we got there. We were like 90 seconds or two minutes late. So everyone else was there. Well, the guy that I was debating was mad because he was a 10 minute early guy and Dave knew this Dave knew this he was going to be that guy would be way early and he would have to wait and he was mad that he had to wait so I was 90 seconds late you know minute two minutes late it's no big deal and that guy was angry and the debate went on and I think I held my own I was scared to death and Dave was happy but when you watch our replay Dave when we left Dave said you won the debate I said well, how, what what makes you say that he said the guy who debated never smiled. He was angry the entire time. He was angry you were 90 seconds late. You won when you walked in. He was mad. Who have you ever seen on a debate on television that's been mad and people said, well, I want to agree with that guy? He said, you beat him with the first punch. And I thought, wow. We did like, and so there's just little things like that. I always remember that first television debate, first time to go in against somebody and, and, and strategy pays off. And the work we do in the field of public policy, strategy pays off as well. It helps in legislation. It helps in electing candidates. You have to be strategic. You have to be intentional. After the break, you're going to meet Melanie Elsey, National Legislative Director for the American Policy Roundtable. And we're going to talk how we need to be intentional with legislation that needs to be signed or the veto overridden to make take away the control of the director of the Department of Health. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority, AM 1420. The answer. Rob Walgate with you on this Friday morning. And 
The first 90 minutes have went fast, and I'm sure the last 30 will do the same. As we talked about earlier, we're on day 366 of our 15 days to flatten the curve. And in the state of Ohio, during those 366 days, we have seen government overreach. We have seen the stripping of constitutional rights of citizens, of business owners, of so many. And I know the work that we do at the American Policy Roundtable. We we started working with lawmakers back in the spring to try and draft legislation. It was drafted. It was put into play. It was voted on. It was vetoed by the governor. And then it all blew up at the end of the year. And it was the end of the session, which means the process had to start over at the beginning of this year because new lawmakers were coming into office. And and there's a variety of reasons that it blew up. Um, I think the most succinct reason I could give is because the Ohio Senate and the Ohio House sometimes act like cliques in middle school and they can't get along, they can't communicate with each other, and many of them would rather be, this may be a bit harsh, many of them, I won't say many of them, some of them would rather be social media stars instead of just getting the job done. I don't care who gets the credit, I don't care whose name's on the bill, I don't care how the law has changed, but when you have bad laws on the books, we need to do something about them, and we need to put pride and ego and everything else aside and say, hey, let's fix this. And we've seen this overreach during the pandemic by a Republican governor. I come at this from a nonpartisan perspective. I'm a registered independent. But I, what I will say is if we've seen this government overreach, if we've seen people go out of their way to lock people in their homes to, as, as it says in state law, 3701.13, to isolate and quarantine that the director of the Department of Health has ultimate authority in those situations. If we've seen that with someone who ran as a conservative and lawmakers in charge as conservatives are calling themselves that, what would happen if people on the left were in power? You're not seeing people on the left arguing with anything they've done, and that's because they agree with every last one of these orders they'd like to see more joining us right now on the phone lines is melanie elsie melanie is the national legislative director of the american policy roundtable and someone who works closely with our elected officials in columbus and discussing legislation and drafting legislation and someone who's been working throughout this whole process to see a good law passed and signed by the governor, if not signed by the governor, then vetoed by the Ohio House and Ohio Senate. So, Melanie, good morning. Good morning. Great to be here. Well, we appreciate you being on. And the news of the week is that Senate Bill 22, it passed the Ohio Senate, it passed the House with some amendments, and then was sent back to the Senate, and that was passed. And now is being sent to the desk of Governor DeWine, and he has said that he will veto Senate Bill 22. Can you give us a synopsis of what Senate Bill 22 uh, does and how it would impact law in Ohio? I I can. If I can, though, I'd like to start with um, why we even need it, because I know you've been talking all morning about the and the... um, the experiences that people had last year, but just as a, in a nutshell, there were over 80 orders issued by the Department of Health since March, uh, the middle of March. And some of those orders were moving targets all along. You know, we, we, you all remember we had essential businesses and non-essential businesses and, and individuals were told they had to stay home or stay, 
state, couldn't go to work, had to work from home as possible and all of that. So we had policies that were set through the executive branch with criminal penalties, with fines and jail time. Um, I, I itemized in state law to match the statute that you were talking about, 370113. That statute has been in place over 120 years. It was put into place in the mid-1890s, um, and as they were trying to quarantine people who had tuberculosis at that time and other very scary diseases, it really hasn't been put to the test or been abused until the COVID uh, crisis this last year. And when it was put into place then, there when was... I say abuse... Pardon me? I just wanted to add, Melanie, when it was put in place then, there was never the thought that healthy or non-exposed people millions and millions of them would be the ones isolated in quarantine. It was done to protect the public from people that had already been infected. Exactly. This was the first circumstance where healthy people were quarantined and isolated. Um, businesses with no health violations were shut down. We have protections in the Constitution with regard to um, freedom of assembly, um, right to uh, have property and not have your property are taken away without due process. All of that went out the window with the orders that came through the executive branch. So legislators have been getting thousands of phone calls, literally thousands of phone calls all year long last year and even into the beginning of this year, asking for them to step in. They had no authority under the, uh, their own statute. They had given away all of the authority, which was a violation of the Ohio Constitution because the Ohio Constitution states that the uh, Article 2, Section 26, the General Assembly is not permitted to allow any other entity to set law. So what Senate Bill 22 does is it reframes the policy portion of this whole COVID picture. It, it's the legislature giving in, reinserting what they should have had all along um, but now there's a critical need to reinsert that role. And it's not a violation of separation of power, as some legislators um, iterated last this last week on the floor when they were discussing it. It's the legislative branch reasserting its legis what it had previously handed off to the Department of Health and the governor. So what specifically what Senate Bill uh, 22 does for the governor to declare a state of emergency, um, even a state of a health emergency. It still allows the Department of Health and at the state and local levels to um, in response to that state of emergency, but in protection of our constitutional rights and in reinserting the balance of power between the three branches, um, there's a set time limit to the governor's state of emergency to 90 days. If it goes beyond that, he has to get a concurrent resolution passed by the general and they can extend that the emergency in increments of up to 60 days at a time. So this year-long ad infinitum, we don't know when it's going to end situation would not occur um, if 22 is signed into law. Um, after the emergency has been in effect for 30 days, the General Assembly would have authority to terminate it through the passage of a concurrent resolution Orders and rules issued by state agencies in response to the emergency can be rescinded by the General Assembly as a whole or a piece of it. So if a health order is loaded up with multiple items and some of them are helpful and some of them are egregious, 
the General Assembly can step in and uh, restriction of it, and this, if they choose to. But Melanie, and this doesn't take away. I mean, one of the talking points the governor's had is the fact that the reason he's opposed to things like this is because this takes away the ability to act, say, if something like Ebola um, happened. Right. And that that's not true. Absolutely not. Absolutely not true. Don't let don't. If the governor puts anything out into the to the media sphere uh, through newspapers or online or whatever the source, please don't believe that deception. The governor is not prohibited from taking action. The Department of Health at the local and state level are not prohibited in taking action, except there's one minor exception. Um, there was an amendment added to the bill uh, in response to uh, Toledo, a local health department in Toledo shutting down Toledo schools when the health department had already said schools can reopen. And um, they put an amendment in that, that the locals um, couldn't do that unless there were a specific documentation of cases in a school, they could shut it down temporarily to sanitize the school. So there is there was some uh, one-pointed action on, on that local issue. But the, 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 the biggest point is that the quarantine and isolation rules from the Department of Health and local boards of health would only be applied to people who have come in contact with someone who's been medically diagnosed. There would be no more quarantining of healthy people um, uh, uh, or um, isolating of healthy people. Or, or the, there would have to, because virus is spread by contact. If you haven't been in contact with anyone who has the virus, even if, if the, they say the virus is is asymptomatic, um, you you still are not going to have the constitutional rights ripped from you um, if through the the extensive orders that we've had um, year. So so the process has now it, it's cleared both chambers, the House and the Senate. It's gone, yes. being sent to the desk of Governor DeWine, who has said he will veto the bill. Yes, let me talk about that for just a second. It passed the House, well, first of all, it passed the Senate both times on the first vote and the concurrent vote with the exact same vote count, 25 to 8. That was a straight party line vote. 25 Republicans, 8 Democrats said no. 25 Republicans said yes. House this passed Wednesday. Um, it passed the House 57 to 38. And uh, 60 votes are needed for an over the veto. There were four individuals who did not vote, uh, Jeff Lara or Larray, Mike Lorichick, Tracy Richardson, and Paul Zaltwanger. Those, those four individuals were not present to vote. They're all Republicans. Um, so if, if they're in your district, that would be great to Republicans who voted no were Andrea White, Nina Vitale, and Ron Ferguson. Um, so of those four individuals who didn't vote um, would need to vote yes when it comes back to override the veto. There would need to be 60 Republican votes to override the veto. The, the Senate would already, the Senate's in good shape to override. Well, um, I would expect that it would override in the House. I would expect that those uh, three of those people uh, identified Republicans hold uh, on the yes side. But, um, you know, I don't know for sure. And again, this is about the rule of law. This is about taking away from one individual, the way it reads in 37 and 113, ultimate authority to isolate and quarantine individuals. They shouldn't have that ability. And again, the state of Ohio, every time they've been sued on constitutional grounds, the state of Ohio is over in defending their position. They haven't won a case yet. 
they they have they have not won a case because they know they don't have the winning case. They use the law to bully people to do what they want, just like Mike DeWine, John Husted, the entire administration have bullied Ohioans mm-hmm. through this process. They've also encouraged Ohioans to bully their neighbors if they don't wear masks or they don't adhere to guidelines. I mean, it, it's been a mess. So, Melanie, would you say you encourage folks to contact their state rep, contact their state senator, and encourage them when the governor vetoes Senate Bill 22 to give a vote in the affirmative to override that veto? It's critical. I mean, people say, what can I do? What can I do? This is a a, a very tight window of time. In the next 10 days, contact your state senator and state representative and encourage them to vote yes. I do want to make a point because someone is going to say, this violates the, the, the separation of powers. We shouldn't be telling, we shouldn't be pulling authority away from the executive branch. Bill Seitz, Representative Bill Seitz, on, the, on his full remarks, made a very important statement. He said they did a 50-state review, and 24 states, by ta- statute, right now, 24 states can terminate a governor's executive orders at 30 days. Five states can do it at 30 to 60 days. So there are plenty of states that are already uh, way ahead of Ohio in, in doing something like this. And if you want to watch the how your legislators acted on this issue... Um, OhioChannel.org is, they have a video archive. At your leisure, you can go in and watch them from this past Wednesday. Well, Melanie, thank you for all your analysis on this. Thank you for your work. And, and as someone who works alongside you, I appreciate everything you do at the American Policy Roundtable on the benefit of Ohioans and people across this country. So thank you, and we'll talk soon. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, Derek, one segment left. Can you handle it? But we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best. So <laughs> you're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. The final countdown, final segment. On this Friday morning on AM 1420, the answer, Rob Walgate sitting in for Bob France. And we just got a call from our dear friend, Lisa Woods, wanted us to let the listeners know a reminder tomorrow morning, Medina County friends and neighbors, McFan meeting at the Thirsty Cowboy, 830 to 10 a.m. Claire Lopez will be there as the guest speaker. So anyone that as you wake up early tomorrow morning, head on over to Medina, Thirsty Cowboy, Cowboy, eight thirty a.m. I think I hit all the. I, I think I hit all the key details I right think, there. I think you did. All right, all and, right. And it, you know, it, it is a saloon, so you know, get your spurs ready. <laughs> spurs, mechanical bull, showtime! It's showtime. All right, we've had we've had an action-packed show, but I did want to leave time. There was something that Joe Biden said last night. There are a number of things I still wanted to hit on, but I'm going to go to a quote that I want you to hear what he said, and we can talk about. Neighbors get vaccinated as well. Because here's the point. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout or a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together after this long, how, hard year. 
That will make this Independence Day something truly special. How out of touch with reality is he to talk about Independence Day? Does he understand Independence Day? Does he understand the celebration of victory and moving away from tyrants? And he wants to give you permission, as the most recent tyrant, to to allow you to gather, not in large groups, but in small groups. How out of touch of reality is he? People are doing this right now all across the country. I personally want to thank him for letting me do this. Like, And that's how some people feel. Like, we should listen to him. We should follow. How many times have you heard follow the science? Yeah, we followed the science for 366 days. It changes every week. And I say that to you right now. I'm wearing 17 masks because they've told me I need to wear 15. So if 15 is good, then 17 has to be great. I mean, it's insane to think about as Americans, and I know I'm getting a bit fired up on this last segment, but as Americans, how quickly we handed over our constitutional rights to elected officials because we believe they have our best interest at heart. That, that's what we think. I can remember getting a conversation with someone when they shut down churches. They, they said you, you couldn't, you know, Mike DeWine was careful as a balancing act. He basically said, I'm not going to shut down churches, but he, but he basically called pastors idiots that were willing to meet in person. So he insulted them. It guilted them. Yes, greatly. He insulted them and said he don't know anyone that would put people at risk like that by, by willing, by their willingness to meet. I was so fired up. I was talking to someone who is a Christian guy that would goes goes to church and I said that that's a constitutional infringement. And he said no it isn't. I said well, what do you mean no it isn't? Have you read the first amendment? And he said, "Well, yes, but it's not a constitutional infringement because they're taking the right away from everybody." Because synagogues and mosques and churches no one's permitted to meet. Therefore, it's not an infringement. I said, do you understand what individual rights mean? Do you understand what the Constitution is, what the agreement is? It secures those rights. I mean, it, it makes my head want to explode when I think about it. The willingness of some Americans to hand over their God-given rights to elected officials who now want to be the ones to give permission on when you can have a backyard barbecue. That's crazy to me. And we and, and in some states they wanted ner- neighbors to turn against neighbors when they were violating that. If they saw cars gathering on the street, well you should call and turn them in. What country do we live in? Where did the freedom go and why are we so willing to do it? And remember folks, we're not talking about the far left that was doing this in the state of Ohio. We're talking about people with a bunch of Rs next to their name. But here's the difference. If Democrats were doing this, these same Republicans would be flipping over tables. They would be flipping over tables, screaming that Democrats were infringing on your rights. But it's Republicans in Ohio that are doing it. It's Mike DeWine. It's John Husted. They, they're willing to infringe on your rights. They're willing to play the role of dictator because they feel that they're smarter than all of you. If you don't believe me, just ask them. It's up to us, folks. Call your legislators. Encourage them to override the veto on Senate Bill 22. Get out there. Make a difference in your community. And remember, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good.
Enjoy the silence.